Jewish Money Matters episode 277, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Friday, September 9th, another episode of Ask Yael. Very, very fun. Very excited to be here. Always one of my favorite times of the week. I like Friday episodes, and I think you do too. I've been getting some uh, some feedback. People seem to enjoy the Q&A. And today we have actually quite interesting questions. I'm going to tackle a question on entrepreneurship, and I'm going to tackle a question on dividend earnings and taxes on those. I mean, you guys, you keep me on my toes. <laughs> but I, I actually do have another question. I want to, uh, let's see, I have a few more questions I want to answer, but I don't know. I think that'll be a lot to cover. We shall see a bit of housekeeping before we go into the questions, into the Q&A. Wednesday, we aired a great mini-sode on abundance and Rabbi Hanina Bendoza's golden table leg story from the Talmud. Maybe you're not familiar with it. Maybe you are. Either way, I talk about it and I hope you get a chance to listen to that if you haven't. It's right in your podcasting app, right? Wednesday, Wednesday, we air that. Um, Monday, earlier this week, we had professional organizer Rebecca Saltzman back on the show. Love Rebecca, and I think you will too. I learned so much. I always learn so much from her, and she's great. And I'm happy we had this conversation specifically this time of year. So head over to Monday's episode to learn all about living an organized Jewish life. And no, that is not an oxymoron, <laughs> although sometimes it feels like it is. Um, and a reminder, we have a giveaway for you where you could win three things. You could win, Rebecca's one of you will win three things. You'll win a book, organize, the, the book, Rebecca's book, Organized Jewish Life and her Organized Jewish Life Planner and one free month inside the journey to organization membership that Rebecca hosts great stuff. You get to really, really benefit from that. And I'm excited for the winner. Actually, I think this is a great deal. So what do you do? Well, first of all, be sure to enter the giveaway. This is what you do you leave a review of the show and you email me a screenshot yael at yaeltrash.com. Of course, you can take the screenshot before you hit that submit button on Apple podcast. And then you're covered. You don't have to wait for Apple, which is kind of finicky and takes about 24 hours to post your review. Yeah, that is a fact. Okay, it doesn't you're not you're not going to see it automatically. Hey, that's the way life works. So if you want to take the screenshot right when you write the review before you hit submit, go ahead. I don't mind. I will enter you in the giveaway. No, no notwithstanding. And in t- within 24 hours, you will see a review right there. And you'll make my life really happy. <laughs> you'll make me happy. Additionally, you can also share your review on your Instagram stories and tag me at Yael Trush, and we will give you a double entry for the giveaway. So doubling your chances of winning. Finally, what about Hey, I'm not on Apple Podcasts and I listen to you on my Android device. No problem. No problemas around here. Email or review yael at yaeltrush.com. And if you want to double your entry, share your 
email words on the pod on your Instagram stories or just share the podcast on your Instagram stories and show it some love and tag me you need to tag me so that I know then you'll be entered twice and that's all you have to do I will announce the winner on Friday all right so speaking about reviews let's go to the review section and pull out a review here I am trying to okay so this one is from Tuesday my sweet life 248. And the title of the review is Thank You, Yael. Uh, She says, hands down, one of my favorite podcasts. Always fun, always relatable, always learn something new. I love the variety of the guests, the Yael interviews, and how she always provides practical take practical takeaways in each episode. Well, thank you, Sweet Life 248. I am so happy that you found the show or that you've been here on the show. I'm not sure if you've been here for a while, um, but I'm happy to be one of your favorite podcasts. That is huge. I so appreciate it. Um, send me an email. Yeah, com, And I will send you a link for us to connect. You can also DM me on Instagram and I'll send you that link. And see, look at that. Now you've been entered into the giveaway because you submitted this this week on Tuesday and you won this. So good job. Good job. Everyone else leave those reviews. And yeah, you might also win a 20 minute session with me. So not only will you be entered in the giveaway again, up till um, Friday, Friday, I will announce the winner. So you have till Thursday, really, maybe. Um, So get moving on that. But yeah, I pick a reviewer every Friday. Did you know that? And most likely, if you're leaving a review, you will win because, hey, it's not like these reviews come in by the thousands or even the hundreds on a weekly basis. I wish they would, but so far, no. So believe me, your chances of winning a one-on-one session with me are quite high. (laughs) So leave those reviews. And uh, anyhow, let's go into the mailbag. All right. So our first question comes from Chava and Chava asks via email. She says, Yael, I just found out that stocks that earn dividends can be taxed annually, even if you don't sell sell the stock, she means. Can you explain how that works? And since you aren't actually seeing that money in your bank account, what do people typically do if the tax amount is more than they feel they can afford right then? Do they sell some stocks to pay the taxes? What if the market is low by the time you're paying your taxes and it's a bad time to sell? All right, this is a great question. You guys, I have such an audience. You really, you really keep me um, working here. (laughs) Good for you. First of all, Everything I'm going to say, Chava, is for the purposes of education. You should still consult with your accountant or your tax specialist. But I think that this, I hope this is going to be helpful. So you are right, Chava. If we're talking about investments in a taxable brokerage account, like many of us have, the dividends that you earn on your investments are taxable, even though they are reinvested. And again, so everybody understands dividends are the profits that a company distributes to its shareholders. So many companies split those profits with us. It's great. It's great because we make money. Um, And as I've said many times on the show, those dividends should be reinvested. Why? Because that's part of the beauty of investing. You want your dividend payments to keep adding to the balance in your account that is compounding. So it's a great way to make your money work for you. Now, The way they are taxed, meaning the dividends, the way the dividends are taxed is going to depend on whether they are deemed ordinary or qualified. Okay. And again, I'm talking about the US. So hopefully, Chava, I think you're in America. That's why you're asking the question. Um, 
But still, if you're outside the US, I mean, I don't mind you learning this stuff. I think knowledge is power. The more we learn, the better. So let's see, if they are considered ordinary, if the dividends are considered ordinary, okay, then they are taxed as ordinary income, just like earned interest or work income, even if they are reinvested, okay? No matter what, if, the, if, you're, if your dividends are reinvested, you're going to have tax consequences, okay? So it's going to how much tax you're going to pay on them, it's going to depend on whether they con they're considered ordinary or qualified. Considered ordinary means they're taxable at the same rate as your interest or work income, your earned income, okay? If they are considered qualified, then they are taxed at the more favorable long-term capital gains rate, which is a really good thing. The capital gains tax is much more favorable than ordinary tax income, which is again, one of the beauties of investing. So before we get to the tax rate itself and the impact of that tax rate, let's talk about how to know if your dividends are qualified or ordinary. Well, the first thing is your accountant will know, um, you know, they will know, but you should know as well. It's important to know. So qualified dividends, which again, receive a more favorable tax treat treatment, must meet a few criteria, okay? Most dividends paid by US companies that, that trade on major exchanges uh, and many dividends paid by foreign companies are considered qualified and are taxed at that rate. So mostly you have some of those, okay? Now, in addition to that, you, the investor, must own the the um, the stock for at least 60 days out of a 121 holding period. And then there's certain dividends, such as those dividends from like employee stock ownership plans or real estate investment trusts that are not eligible for qualified status. So they wouldn't be considered qualified. But there are many, 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 many U.S. companies that paid qualified dividends. Um, they trade in major stock exchanges, and as long as you you've held the stock long enough, um, those dividends that you earn that year will be considered qualified. Uh, again, it's very likely that a lot of the securities that you own pay uh, pay dividends that pay qualified dividends. Now, let's talk about the tax rates. If your dividends are ordinary, they will be taxed at the marginal tax rate of ten to thirty seven percent. That's income tax. That's income tax. I'm not a I'm not a fan of tax. I'm not a tax expert, but you know, that's what we pay in taxes, at least in this country. Okay. So there's a marginal tax rate that ranges between 10% and 37% based on your income bracket. Okay. And if your dividends are ordinary, they will be taxed at in any of those ranges, right? Wherever you fall. If your dividends are qualified dividends, though, they will be taxed at the capital gains tax rate of either zero percent. 15% or 20% depending on your income tax bracket. Now let's look at how this works mathematically. And, um, you know, I don't know if this, if this helps because it's an audio show and, you know, I don't know, it might be hard, but I figured, let me just illustrate it mathematically. I hope it makes sense. If not, shoot me an email and we'll try to work it out. Maybe I'll email you this <laughs> so you get it. But I think it is important to look at a little bit of the math, okay, and, and understand how this plays out. So let's say you're an investor with 5,000 shares of company X, and this company generates $2 each in ordinary dividends. So that's $10,000 a year that you earned in dividends for holding those 5,000 shares. So again, $2 in dividends times 5,000 shares that you've held that year, that's $10,000 in dividend earnings. Let's assume that you are single, 
right? You're filing single and you have a taxable income of $100,000. That places you in the 24% income rate bracket, income tax bracket for ordinary income. Okay, so that's what you pay in taxes. Since ordinary dividends, and now we're giving the, we've been giving the example, we've been describing ordinary di dividends, do not receive a special tax treat treatment and their taxes ordinary income, then you would be paying 24% in taxes on, on that, those dividend earnings. And that would be 24% of $10,000 that you earn on, in dividends. That's $2,400 in taxes. Okay, so that's a, if, you, if they are ordinary dividends. However, if the dividends are qualified, you would pay a 15% tax rate based on your income of 100,000 or $1,500. It's 15% of your $10,000 of dividend earnings. So now you see how much you've saved. If, you, if these were ordinary dividends, you would be paying, what was it, $2,400? Now you're paying $1,500. You saved yourself $900 in taxes. Now let me give you another scenario. Okay, uh, which might be likely. I don't know if you're filed, you're single, or if you're married and you're filing jointly. jointly. So I'm going to make up a scenario where you're married and you're filing jointly, and you're filing three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in income per year, and you own. Now let's make it a little higher. You own ten thousand shares of Company X stock. At two dollars in dividends per share, you make twenty thousand dollars. Now, at your income bracket you're being taxed at 32%. That's ordinary income, which means that tax at that rate, you're going to owe $6,400 on those dividends if they are ordinary dividends. But if they are qualified dividends, you'll only owe $3,000 because you'll be paying 15% of the $20,000 in dividend earnings. That's $3,400 in savings because again, qualified dividends were taxed at 15% instead of your ordinary tax, um, your mar marginal tax rate of 32%. So that's a pretty significant difference. And of course, the higher your income tax bracket, the more noticeable the difference becomes because now you're talking about a difference between 20%, which is the highest long-term capital gains tax and 37%, which is the highest income tax. So the bottom line is if your dividends are qualified dividends, they will be taxed at the long-term capital gains tax rate of either 0%, 15% or 20%, depending on your income tax bracket. And if your dividends are ordinary dividends, which means they're non-qualified, that's another word you might find, they will be taxed at your regular marginal income tax rate. All right. So hopefully that's clear enough, but let's talk about your concern with paying these taxes. So Chava, I think you're sort of suggesting somewhat of a disappointment here and having to pay these taxes, which I get, none of us like paying taxes. It's true, but you've just enjoyed the benefit of the steady payment from a company that you've invested in that comes in the form of dividends. So you've been getting income and I might add free income, really, meaning like the company just decided to pay you part of their profits. They didn't have to, and you didn't have to do anything to earn that money. Um, it's just because they pay dividends. And with that now, yeah, you're going to have to pay taxes. But I, I want you to like think about it a little bit different. I mean, you might be able to hire a clever accountant who can work this out for you. But even so, we have to understand that Yes, paying taxes is the reality of earning dividends. But the benefit, in my opinion, more than outweighs the tax expense, not only 
Are you actually growing your money, growing your wealth through the capital that's invested and the appreciation of those assets and through the dividends reinvested? But you're also paying a lower tax rate that is well below the standard tax rate due on your ordinary income. So I think we have to keep that perspective in mind that we're making money here. Um, and so I think the, the the paying taxes and the dividends, it's a little bit of a drop in the bucket relative to, you know, what what we're making. So as to then the part about how to pay those taxes. Well, again, I think this is something that you can discuss with your accountant. What's going to be your estimated tax liability based on the fact that you're earning income from your investments in addition to your regular income? I mean, we should talk about that, right? Uh, you should talk about with him or her, her. And I doubt anyone is really selling stocks to pay taxes. I mean, that would be kind of a real emergency move where you get unexpectedly hit with a surprisingly high tax bill. And then you're you probably have to fire your accountant <laughs> at that point. So what I would say is talk to your accountant and get an estimate. See really if your fears of a tax bill are warranted, which then now will help you prepare. So again, gaining the knowledge is what's going to help you prepare, right? I'd rather, I don't want you to stay in the dark, you know, kind of wondering. I think, I think this is worth the conversation. It's important and I'm encouraging you to have it. What I'm discouraging, discouraging you from is, from being deterred from investing because of taxes on dividends. That should not be a deterrent, okay? And of course, there's a there's another piece here is that if you wanted to avoid this, these taxes altogether, then you can use certain accounts that are, you know, tax shielded accounts like those that are specifically designed for retirement. For example, a Roth IRA where you contribute already tax money and once the money's in there, you don't have to pay taxes as long as you take it out you know, in accordance to the rules of the Roth IRA. Another way is opening a traditional IRA where you can defer taxes until retirement when you might be in a lower income tax bracket when you withdraw that money from the account. So another thing is if the money is to be used for college, you can invest it in a 529 college savings plan. But again, that has to be specifically used for education. And that, But that way, when the money is invested there, when you when the dividends are paid, from your investments, from your company, from the companies you've invested in, you don't pay any tax either. But again, like I said, you must take the money out uh, for education, or you're going to face pay paying uh, a penalty. So these are some of the ways that you can avoid the taxes. But you know, they have their own restrictions, of course, so you have to determine what's good for you or what combination of products is good for you. And not only is your, you know, your accountant good to for this, but I think a fiduciary certified financial advisor might also be very helpful here if you're really concerned, and you want to make sure that you're making the most out of your money. It definitely is worth the conversation. Um, and I'll add something else just for education's sake that, and, and just to keep your perspective of, you know, like earning income from our investments, any interest that you earn on money market accounts, on bank CDs and bonds are taxed as, at ordinary tax rates. Okay. So again, the after tax returns are significantly better with dividends. So if you, you know, kind of like if you want to compare. And finally, I, I should address the subject of funds, you know, some we talk about ETFs, we talk about index funds a lot, some of us might be invested um, in that way. So if you invest in ETFs, and exchange exchange traded funds, and you reinvest the dividends, and the same I think applies to index funds and mutual funds, whether the dividends are qualified or unqualified depends on a few requirements again. And that is that the fund itself must own 
the stock that pays the dividends for more than 60 days. So very similar to the requirements I told you before. And second, you must own the fund for more than 60 days during that 121 day period that I said before that begins, you know, the 60 days before what's called the ex-dividend day. That's what they call it. That's the last day that investors can purchase a fund and expect to receive a dividend payment the next time they're issued. But that's not that's not to confuse you. The, the point being here that you're probably not going to run into this issue with the most funds because they've mostly they've held their stocks for a long time, particularly if the fund only contains company stocks and you own you know, as long as you own the the fund before the ex dividend date, you should be fine. Um, and if not, then of course you're going to be taxed at your ordinary tax income tax rate. But um, this should be, give you enough information. Um, and again, you could probably look in your account and see. I think I think in the in the form the form that goes to the IRS, there is a disclosure of what's qualified, what's ordinary, and your your accountant will see it and they will know. But Basically, all of this is to give you enough information and then go to your accountant or your tax specialist with enough background knowledge to ask these more on this um, and to further understand not only what they're saying, but really a little get 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 a better understanding of how this really would apply to your own particular situation. All right. Have a great question. And I hope this was helpful. All right. Question from Denise. Denise also sent in via email. She says, yeah, I recently gave my gave up my cushy job at a school that I worked for. I worked in for nine years and I freed myself from a lot of time that felt unproductive. And I'm now fully focused on what was then my side hustle that I kept doing as I kept my job in the school. I am more active in social media and connecting more with clients and really taking care of my clients. My question is, how do I go from self-employed and towards more like a CEO of my business? Okay, great question, Denise. I love this question. So, and also to clarify, her business is really um, kind of service-based and online. All right. So first of all, congratulations for going all in on your side hustle and making it your primary source of income. Now, the question on becoming more of a CEO and less of, you call it self-employed, I think you mean less of a hustler. <laughs> it's a big it's a big question. And I, I really commend you for asking it because I think it means that you're already developing a long term vision for your, for your, uh, your enterprise, your, your, uh, your project, right? This is some, this really is making that shift is something that does take time. It is an evolution, but you're already thinking of what are the steps, what needs to be happening. And, and really that, that shift is one of the hardest parts of business. Um, but I will give you some pointers, um, that hopefully will help you along the way. One of them is you you want to get to a point you want to you want to aim towards creating developing a series of core products or services that been obviously validated and that you're selling repeatedly at this point I think you've probably validated offers because you've been doing this seems like for a while um, and so you want to get to a point where okay so I have a, I have I have these products they're validated I know how to do them they serve the community well um, and this is this is this is what I'm going to be selling over and over again repeatedly and of course that does take time and still some hustle and you might be at a point where you already have narrowed that down or are almost at that point where you've you know you're kind of polishing it and and you want to repeat and then again 
the second part to this is that you want to hire people to support you. And here, really, it, it, it's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? This is really where we are once we once I bring this topic um once I bring this topic in is, okay, so what comes first? Because you just said that I need to develop some some products or services that are rinse and repeat, and I, and I need to hire the people to support you. Can support me. Can you develop those products without anyone helping you and without burning out? Possibly not. I mean, you can to a certain point, but you can grow them as you'd like, right, without help. And, and you're probably, you're feeling already that you can't do it all, right? You can't create the social media content. You can't speak to your clients. You can't take care of them. You can't create new products and services. You can't polish the ones that you have. You can't market, market elsewhere, you know, new, new avenues. You can't develop the tech to support you all on your own. These are a lot of pieces and there might be there might be more, right? And I doubt anyone can. So again, the chicken or the egg. How do I pay someone to come support me, you know, if if I'm 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 making just enough to cover just a few of the overhead, a little bit of the overhead I'm making, I'm taking something home. So I do encourage you to be very mindful of treating the business as a business right away. And by that, I mean, I would implement the profit first method and I would do it pronto. I would make sure that I'm having money for operations that I can then use to pay a few people or one person because you will need them. You will need somebody. Um, So that means really instead of taking revenue and paying yourself all of that money, think of the fact that in order to become the CEO, you have to now start leaving money inside the business to pay others. And moreover, and this might be even harder, the the harder part is leaving profit first, which is money that is there to be, it's like a savings cushion, but really is money that is the profit of the company and it's meant to be distributed and used at the end of the year for crucial projects or investments that will grow the business. So I, th- I think you need to get the book. And once you get the book, you'll, you, this will start making more sense. But getting yourself really organized so that you can create that methodology of having money in the business so that then you can hire people for the business rather than just taking everything home because you know that's kind of like maybe what we're used to when it's just a little thing on the side. Now, with hiring, I will tell you something that I've learned from experience. And also, I refer you to a book called, it's called Who? How to Solve Your Number One Problem. And yeah, most CEOs' number one problem is hiring. So something I learned both from the book and also from personal experience is to hire for very specific tasks. Very, very specific. And it's very tricky because you at this point, having worked on the side hustle, the side business for a while, know how to do a ton. Like really, I know you do it. So it's like this, we, this happens to all of us. And you pretty much know how to do everything. You know how to build landing pages and YouTube accounts and graphics and social media copy and I don't know, social media content and edit videos, who knows, but I'm sure you know a ton. And you probably do it better than good enough. Like it's not just good enough. You probably do it really well, not necessarily because you're particularly talented in all those areas. You probably aren't, but because you care, you care so much because it's your project and it's your income. So no matter what was needed, you went and you learned it to the point of good enough and possibly even better than good enough. And you've been doing it. So why do I have to remind you of this? And you're, you're thinking, well, I know that, right? 
I need to remind you because here is the challenge. Just because you, through blood, sweat, and tears, have learned how to do all the things competently and it, it, it yeah, pretty competently, that doesn't mean that someone you onboard as an assistant on your team will know how to do them all with competence. And most likely, they will not. Nobody's going to do it like you. And if you don't realize this now, before you hire, you're going to get very frustrated and you're going to go through many people before you find the people who can be really helpful. So trying to get people who can do some, a few of the things really, really well so that then you can take them off your plate is going to be key. So what I would do is I would get very specific on what are the things that I can do and do right now but that I should not be doing and that somebody else should be doing and get make that list. And after you have that list, then I would take each of those things and then I would get super granular on what those, what do those things mean? Like, what does it mean, you know, build sales pages, right? This, 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 that, what do they entail? So now you're, you're, what you're going to find is that you have a set of job descriptions or requirements for particular jobs, for particular positions within your company. You're going to very clearly see that it's not, there are many, there are more things that one person can be excellent at. So now it's going to start telling you, okay, so there are a few positions in this company, right, of mine. So of course, that's not to say that you are right away going to be able to hire five people or three people even, but it might mean that you start seeing what those jobs are and which of those then you can prioritize and say what's mostly need what's more needed at this time and what can I afford to hire out because it's going to have a bigger impact on my bottom line Uh, it might mean that you decide to hire one or two people and let's say but whatever it is they each have a very specific role and they take on very specific tasks for you and this ends up being cheaper than hiring one person who has to master and juggle multiple things from operations to tech to marketing to video editing to calendar to customer service you see where I'm going with this and they can't do it all as well as you they burn out you're frustrated it doesn't work so I'm encouraging you to go through that process and then go then see which of those people you you want to hire first, what takes more priority and as tempting as as tempted as you might be to try to get somebody who could do 50% of what you do, try to narrow it down to somebody who could do 10 or 20% of what you do, because it's going to make a big difference. So if you try to aim for the person who claims to be able to do 50% when they really can't, because it's very unlikely that they can, even though you can, you're going to end up having to find, you know, spend the time training somebody else over and over again. So in order to save you that, I'm encouraging you to get really specific. Okay. So Denise, I hope that was helpful. And I hope you keep me posted on your growth. Congratulations again. And that's a wrap, my friends. Uh, I do have another question in college, but I'm going to tackle it, got willing next week, because this I think was a lot. I mean, dividends, reinvesting, taxes. How did we get here? <laughs> How did we get here? And scaling or, you know, or growing that side hustle. 
Cool, cool conversation. So if you still didn't enter the giveaway to win one copy of Organized Jewish Life, the book and of the Organized Jewish Life Planner and one free month of the Journey to Organization membership, then this is your chance, my friend. You really only have a few days because unfortunately, like I mentioned before, Apple Podcasts is kind of finicky and takes at least 24 hours to post reviews. Email those in. The way you enter is by leaving a review of the show and emailing the screenshot. Of course, like I said, you can take the screenshot before you hit submit and then you're covered. You don't have to wait for Apple, but do you have to email it to me? Because otherwise, how do I know, right? So email me that screenshot and of course we'll enter you in the giveaway. And additionally, you can share your review on your Instagram stories and tag me at Yale Trush and we will give you a double entry, doubling your chances of winning. Finally, if you're not on Apple, email a review, Yael at Yael Trush. That's where everybody's gonna be emailing the reviews. And if you wanna double your entry, share the podcast on your Instagram stories and tag me. Otherwise, I don't know that you're doing it, right? So that'll get you a double entry. I will be announcing the winner on Friday. I hope everyone has a Shabbat Shalom.